Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I want you to look at the book of Ezra. Are you with me? You awake this morning? All right. Here we go. The book of Ezra. I'm not going to preach for long, but I've got just something that I felt like God gave me to encourage you. And in the book of Ezra... Uh, we're going to start from chapter, I'm going to pull out a few verses. Uh, we'll focus primarily on, on chapter 4, but there's a few things in chapter 3 that I think speak to us. This is around this time when the children of God are in, they're in enemy territory, if you like. Um, they're in Babylonian territory. And the Bible says at the start of the book of Ezra that, that the Lord uh, stirred up the spirit. Of Cyrus, king of Persia, this was a Babylonian king, um, and the Lord spoke to him, um, stirred up his heart, spoke to his heart. I mean, you know that God can speak to anybody. It doesn't matter how far you're away from God. If you're believing for someone to come back from God, they're running from God. You can pray that God would speak to their heart wherever they are. God spoke to the the, the, the heart of the king and says, stirred stirred his heart. Um, to allow the children of Israel to rebuild the temple. In a Babylonian territory, the children of Israel were given permission to build the house of God or to rebuild, if you like, the temple of God. And so... They begin to do this, and and in chapter one, uh, chapter three, and verse one, and when the seventh month had come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered together. I like this wording as one man to Jerusalem. How many know that if we're going to do what God has called us to be as the church of God, we need to be as one man. We need to be unified. The Bible says that a house divided amongst itself cannot stand. We need to be unified. We need to be on the same page under the banner that is Jesus Christ. We have differences. We have things that we may differ on in terms of theology. But if we can establish that the only way to relationship with God is through Jesus Christ, let's get on that page and let's believe that God will use His church to see a nation turned around for the glory of God. They got together as, as one man. And it skipped down into verse 3, chapter 3 and verse 3. Though fear had come upon them because of the people of those countries, they set, out, they set up the altar on its bases and they offered burnt offerings unto the Lord, both the morning and evening burnt offerings. It starts off that verse by saying, Though fear had come upon them. They still did what God had called them to do. I like the fact that they did not wait for fear to leave, but they stepped out scared. Have you ever had to step out scared anyway? Understand, we know that fear, it's not of God. We know that the Bible says that He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. But sometimes I believe that so many Christians often miss what God is calling them to simply because there is the presence of fear. 
You need to make that decision sometimes to just step out scared and say, even though I'm a little bit fearful, I'm choosing to tune more into the faith than allow fear hold me back. I'm going to step out, leave fear behind and do what God has called me to, even though I'm a little scared anyway. Sometimes you've got to, sometimes you've got to just go scared. Sometimes you've got to, how many know when Peter stepped out of the boat, it was a little bit scary. It's all about your focus. So many of us, I think we miss what God is calling us to because we're too busy waiting until we have feel no fear at all. I want to tell you something. If there is no fear, then faith is not required. If there is a little bit of fear, it's going to take a little bit of faith to get you moving. And it's okay to feel a little bit of fear as long as you don't allow that fear to keep you where you are. Though they felt some fear, they went anyway. Though there was some opposition, they stepped out anyway and started doing what God had called them to do. In chapter 4, we pick up the story. It says, now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, when they heard that they were starting to operate in their calling. The enemy came out against them. Surprise, surprise. When the enemy heard that they were starting to believe, when the enemy heard that they were starting to declare, when the enemy heard that they just did 21 days of fasting for what God had called them to do in 2018, the enemy was activated. When the enemy heard that they started to gather together and started to dare to believe the Word of God, the enemy came out after them. Don't be surprised. When you start to pray and you start to believe and you start to declare that things sometimes get worse before they get better. What you have to do is you got to take faith because the greater the attack you are experiencing, the greater the purpose God has for you. Because God would not allow an attack to come your way that you cannot handle. In fact, James says it like this. He says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because the testing of your faith develops perseverance or endurance. And endurance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So if you're experiencing a big attack, then you got a big future. Because that big attack is building big faith that you're going to need to step into your big purpose. Someone make some noise if you believe. Don't let the attack bury you. Don't let the attack keep you down. Get excited. Look at someone say, the enemy's in my face and I feel a little bit good about it. The enemy's coming after me, but I know he can't stop me. He's coming at me, but I know he can't hold me back. He's trying to push me down and keep me buried. But I know that it's stirring a faith in me for what God has for me for 2018. It says, when they saw the enemy, when they saw 
that the children of God were beginning, were beginning to step out in their purpose. God is, God is raising up, I believe, a church that's going to do something great. God is raising up and establishing a church that is called to take ground for the kingdom of God. He's not raising up a church that is just going to stay and do kumbaya every Sunday morning and walk out the same. God is raising up a church that's not intimidated, but a church that is happy to step out and dare to believe that God's going to do something supernatural. And I want to tell you, hell, hell is activated. I love the fact there's something in me. I don't know what it is, but there's something in me. I just love to stir the enemy. I love to stir. I love, there's just, I don't know what it is. As a kid, I was one of those kids that just loved to stir and tease and just niggle and keep going. I love, to, I love the fact that the calling that's upon my life and your life is a threat to hell. I love the fact that there's a calling upon each and every one of us that cause every adversity to try and come my way because then it reminds me that I'm about something that's great. There's a purpose on your life that's great. The enemy doesn't like it. It says, when... When he heard it, when they heard it, they came out against him. But look at how they did it. When they heard in verse 2, they came to Zerubbabel, this is the enemy, and the heads of the fathers, and they said to them, I want you to listen to this because this is a strategy of the enemy. They said to them, let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do. We have sacrificed to him. And it goes on and says what they're, what they're doing. Listen to what that wording. Let us build. We're trying. We want to stop what you're doing. But they come and they said, let us build with you. Let us come alongside you. Let us get in there. See the strategy here. And, and theologians say what, what their strategy was trying to do, what they were trying to do was actually get in amongst the people of God and begin to sow little seeds of discord. Because if they can sow little seeds of discord, maybe we can get the children of God not focused on their purpose, but focused on each other. Maybe if we can get in amongst the people of God, if we can get in and sow a little bit of discord in the church, maybe, maybe we could get Christians bickering with other Christians. Maybe, maybe if we could come in subtly enough, we're going to have to be clever, but maybe we could get Christians more focused on what other Christians are doing, more focused on what their brothers and sisters are doing than the purpose God has called them to. Maybe if we come in subtly enough, we could get Christians getting online, posting little comments to just jab another Christian. Maybe if we get them doing it enough, and it becomes a bit of a bit of a culture in the church. Maybe we could create it to be such a culture where Christians are pulling down other Christians that the world that those Christians are called to save will look at the church and say, I don't want no part of that. I'm just saying, maybe, maybe. I'm not saying it happens in this church. I mean other churches, you know. 
It's a subtle scheme of the enemy. Maybe if we took all of the effort and energy that we're spending trying to pull down other Christians because we're so insecure with where we're at, we're just trying to pull someone else down beneath us. Maybe if we spent all of that effort and all of that energy looking out to a lost person, trying to love someone that doesn't know Jesus, trying to reach out to someone that isn't here on a Sunday, I'm just saying maybe we could see a city one for Jesus. Maybe if we made a decision that we were not going to allow the enemy to sow discord. Maybe if we had each other's backs and if someone comes after my brother, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guard and I'm going to protect him. Maybe he did make a mistake. Maybe he has fallen. Maybe that preacher did mess up, but it's not my job to judge. It's God's job. It's my job. Cover. To believe the best. It's God's job to judge, Holy Spirit's job to convict, and my job to love. Maybe, maybe, maybe we could love each other like the Bible says, that they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. Maybe if we made that decision to say, you know what, I'm going to guard my brother and sister, even if perhaps they've done the wrong thing. It's not my job to judge them. It's my job to cover and fight for unity in the house of God. He's trying to come and trying to sow discord. Discord in the house of God. Maybe if we shifted our focus as Christians, and really lived what Philippians 4 and verse 8 tells us to live. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That word meditate, it means to take inventory, keep track of. We're so good at keeping track of everybody else's mistakes. What if we made a decision that I'm going to start to keep track of every great thing that God is doing in and through His people? If I started to just keep track of everything that was praiseworthy. It's a strategy of the enemy. But then in verse 3. But Zerubbabel and Joshua and the rest of the heads of the fathers, houses of Israel, said to them, you may do nothing with us to build a house for our God. That's, that's, that's church talk for shut up. Shut up. But we alone will build the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. That's, that's saying, get out of my way. I'm going to do what I believe God has called me to do. And the people of the land, listen, the strategy changes. It's how the enemy works. He's an idiot, but he's not dumb. He'll try one strategy. Once we get wise to that, shut that down, he'll try Another strategy. This is, he tries another one. He comes. Then the people of the land, look at this, tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them. Do you ever feel discouraged? You ever wake up in the morning 
and for no apparent reason necessarily. Maybe things are going relatively good, but you just start feeling discouraged. You start feeling, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if God has given me the gifting or the ability to do this. Do you ever start feeling like discouragement just starts to pile on you day after day? And just when you feel like you get a win, as quick as you get a win, discouragement comes back again. And you start feeling like, I can't, I can't do this. The finances are drying up. I'm feeling hopeless. I'm feeling out of my depth. It's discouragement. I want to tell you, we all go through it. Sometimes waking up and I think, Super Bowl Sunday, I don't know nothing about football. What the heck am I going to preach? Caressa preached a women's conference two days ago and I was helping her and I was talking with her about her message. I said, well, this is pretty good. I'm going to steal this for Sunday. Start feeling discouraged. I start thinking, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just get Pastor Javon and text him and say, hey, can you preach discouragement? You start studying, you think, man, this is Pastor Jensen Franklin. He's one of the greatest preachers on the planet. How, how can I get up and preach a me- discouragement? You start waking up, you've got a dream to build a business that's going to touch the globe and build a business that's going to raise revenue for the kingdom of God. And you wake up and you start feeling, I don't know know how I'm going to do this, I just can't do it. It's discouragement. But what the enemy will do is he will throw discouragement on us. And then what we do is we grab a hold of that discouragement and we just keep shoveling it back on ourselves by what we think and what we declare out of our mouth. Too often we are quick to declare a lie from the enemy that the enemy planted in our head and in our heart. I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. It's a seed of discouragement that the enemy probably sowed years ago, but since then he hasn't had to sow anymore because you've just been taking that same discouragement and dumping it back on your own head, telling yourself that you can't. We need to shake ourselves off and say, I can't, but my God can. Say, I don't know why He's put me here, but I know that He's going to get all the glory when I get a win on the board because people are going to look at me and say, there is no way that guy was able to do what he did but for God. Recognise the strategy of the enemy. Don't give in to Discouragement, don't partner with discouragement. Shut it down, cut it off at the root and start to declare the goodness of God over your life. God's got great things for me for 2018. I'm gonna propel further into my destiny than ever before. God is with me, He's covering me, He's guiding me and He's directing me. So it goes on. The story goes on that the people tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building. And look at this in verse 5. And they hired counsellors against them to frustrate their purpose. To frustrate their purpose. The word frustrate, it means to break or to divide, to cut off. 
It's interesting words that the, that the Bible uses here. What the enemy wants to do is to cut off. See, he's not threatened by you. He's threatened by what you're called to do. And if he can bring a divide between you and your purpose, if he can frustrate your purpose and cause a divide, a cutoff between you and where you're called to be, he's on a fast track to victory in your life. But I want to tell you that there are actually two frustrations that we can cause, that we can decide that we're going to live by. One of two frustrations. Paul talks about one in Philippians 3 and verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. See, there's a frustration that will hold you back. But then there is another frustration that will move you forward. There's a frustration that you can look at your situation and say, I'm so sick of being broke all the time. I'm so sick of dealing with lack in my house and in my family. You can live in that frustration or you can allow your frustration to move you forward and say, I am going to run down blessing over my family. Come hell or high water, we're going to get a breakthrough this year. You can, get a, you can get frustrated about people that have hurt you and say, I, cannot, I can't believe I've been hurt again. I cannot believe that people let me down. I cannot believe. And you can allow yourself to get bitter in your frustration. Or you can say, you know what? Yes, I've been hurt, but I'm not staying here. I'm going to press forward. And run down forgiveness over my life this year. I'm getting a breakthrough. I'm not staying here. There's a frustration that the enemy wants to keep you where you are. But then there's a frustration that God wants to use to push you into your purpose and into your destiny. What are you tuning into? What are you listening to? Today we're going to watch a football game. Between two teams, I don't know a lot about football. I'm learning. I know it involves chicken wings. Still haven't worked out how they play into it. But across Christmas, Chris and I were in Georgia. Pastor Jansen said, you want to go to a football game? I said, let's do it. It was my first NFL experience. It was Atlanta Falcons playing some other team. <laughs> Pastor Jensen is, was connect, is connected with one of the Atlanta Falcons players, Julio Jones. And so he said, we're going to be in Julio Jones's box. I'm like, cool. Like as if I know what that means, you know. <laughs> so we arrive at the stadium. We walk into the stadium and, and, uh, and we go to box and, and Julio Jones, who's a player at the Atlanta Falcons, his family is in the box, right? So I know nothing about football. So I had this game plan in my mind. I thought, listen, all I need to do to try and blend in is just make noise the same time everyone else in the box makes noise. 
Come on, fake it till you make it. So, so I went in there with this game plan. I'm sitting right by Julio Jones's mother, right? So something happens on the field. She is up, arms in the air. So I'm up, arms in the air. She's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know what we're screaming about. There were moments when she got so, something happened on the field with the referee or whatever. She got so frustrated. She's like, I can't believe it. I'm like, I know I can't believe it. Idiots. I got no idea what's going on. But I started to get a bit of a rhythm, you know. I started to, I felt like I'm blended. This is working. The Australians starting to blend in. Julio Jones, some of Julio Jones's brothers, right? And, and some of the some of these dudes are pretty like rough looking dudes. And 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 and, and then leaning over, you know, the side of the box, they're yelling out. I mean, I didn't yell out exactly what they yelled out because that's not good. But that was, you know, I tried to keep up as best I could. But they're yet these saying things, you know. I guess one of the guys on the field had recently been traded or something, and so they're yelling out, "Why don't you go back where you came from?" And I'm beside them. I'm like, yeah, fool. Like, I'm saying things out of my mouth. I have no idea. Then I start getting excited. I'm like looking around saying, I have no idea what I'm even saying. I'm yelling at random players. Like, I just got excited, you know. At one point, it was working so well. Julio Jones' mother turned to me and gave me a high five. I'm like, yeah, bang, we doing this. Like, what does that even mean? Like, I'm like yelling out, we're coming for you. Like, what am I saying? Like, I've got no idea. I was just getting into the flow of the game, you know. But something that I learned was that when the team, when the opposing team's fans see that the team on the field is talking about and trying to communicate the next play, the fans start to yell and scream to make as much noise as they possibly can. What they're trying to do, I learned this later on, what they're trying to do is create so much noise that they can drown out the game plan. Listen to me. Today, we're going to watch players. It's so bizarre that this is, this is what happens. We're going to watch players. You're going to watch Tom Brady, who some people say is the greatest quarterback of all time. Right, probably paid, I don't know, like 10, 20 million dollars a year, probably. He's going to get out there with a ball and go to throw that ball. And just before he goes to make that throw, there's going to be a guy on the other side of the fence who probably weighs 300 pounds, has never run a lap in his life. He's on his fourth beer eating a hot dog with ketchup down the front. And he's going to yell at Tom Brady. And say, you suck. (laughs) Tom Brady, who's getting paid $20 million this year to do what he's called to do. He's going to have this fat tumpelard (laughs) with ketchup on his face telling him that he sucks. Let me tell you what Tom Brady is not going to do. Just before the pass, you suck. Really? It's not. I've never seen this happen. He's not going to stop and say, "What? What? What?" 
Hey, hey, what? Hey, guys, hang on. Hey, stop. Wait, wait, wait. What's his wife's name? Giselle, come. Someone help me. He said that I suck. Do I really suck? How do we get here if I didn't suck? If I suck, how do we in the Super Bowl? Why, why are we here? Listen, it's not going to happen. But it happens in the church every day. You wake up with a plan. You wake up with a purpose. You wake up with a calling. And the enemy, who let me tell you, has not ever once in his life done anything for the kingdom of God. He's going to hang his fat lard gut over the fence and try and tell you, you suck. And too many Christians are going to drop the ball of their purpose and their destiny and entertain a conversation with a devil that got booted out of heaven because he could not live for God. You don't suck. You know what I found out that happens in college football? Where's my, where's my little signs? In college football, you know what I found out happens? The noise gets so loud, so loud in the stadium that the team actually have no idea of what the play is because they cannot hear a thing in college football. What I found out happens is the quarterback, I guess the quarterback, I'm checking to make sure I'm on point here. Pastor Javon's helping me with this message. The dude that throws the ball. He will look to the side where the coach is. And what the coach will do, the coach will hold up a sign that has the play written on it, so he can have been in the middle of all this noise and craziness and just look to the coach and the coach will tell him what the game plan is. Can I tell you something? I've got some, I've got some plays for you. When you're feeling weak, here's your play. When you feel like giving up, those who hope, Listen to me, those who hope in the Lord, don't listen to the crowd. God's going to renew your strength. Stay with me, stay with me. I've got some more plays for you. Plays that were, listen, plays that were predetermined in training. Plays that they went over, plays that they knew. They just needed that little reminder. I know the enemy's trying to tell you to give up. I know the enemy's trying to tell you, you don't know what you're doing. For I know, that's right, that's right, God. For you know the plans that you have for me. Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Thanks for the reminder, play. Come on, I need someone to give God praise. I've got another one, here. Here. God, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to work today. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm alone. I feel like the enemy's yelling at me. I feel like I'm hearing all this stuff. I give up. Just look, 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 look. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Hang in there. You're a champion. You got a call. You got a destiny. You got a purpose. He's anointed you. He's called you. He's going before you. He's guiding your steps. 
What about this? I wrote these ones because sometimes these are ones that it's just my own version of Scripture. You're amazing. Come on, I feel like one of those ringside girls that are, you know, holding up the round, round one. They just look a bit better than me, but I'll do my best strat for you on a Sunday morning. Come on, some of you just got to be reminded. Come on, you're amazing. You got purpose. You got destiny. God's for you. Give Him praise if you believe that this morning. Sometimes I just got to tell myself, Ben, you got this. I know it doesn't make sense. I know you ask yourself every day, God, why you got me here? I know you feel like you don't have the gifting or the ability. I know the enemy's trying to lie and tell you things. Tune in to your, your coach. It's the still small voice. Says, you got this. It's the coach saying, look, 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 drown out all this other and look right here. You got this. I'm with you. You're blessed. You're going to make it. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. When the enemy comes at you one way, he's going to flee seven ways. My hand's on you. Your steps are guided. Right across this room, let's stand away from me. I don't know what you do. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.